0: morning church how are we all going do you feel like you need to stand and just have a quick stretch you've been sitting for a little bit give the person beside you a high five tell them that it's good that you had a shower this morning church this morning i'm preaching the second in my series on the kingdom of god and it's it's a theme that uh, i'm going to be preaching on through the year and for mainly for two reasons first of all last towards the end of the last year i was in the forum as, as i normally am on a sunday morning around eight thirty, and just spending time soaking with with jesus and i just felt him to say to me i want you to focus on the kingdom of god this year so, so that's one good reason. But the second reason is the kingdom of God is the subject that Jesus taught about, spoke about, and demonstrated. In fact, some scholars say that pretty much everything that Jesus did was to point people to the kingdom of God. So if Jesus had such a big focus on the kingdom of God, and we are followers of Jesus, you'd expect that we'd be fairly well experts on the kingdom of God, wouldn't you? Yet I I think most, well, a number of us would say that we're perhaps novices when it comes to the kingdom of God. So I think it's a really good thing for us to actually focus on the kingdom of God. And one of the things that Jesus said was, seek first the kingdom. And if we don't really understand the kingdom of God, how do we know if we're seeking the right thing? So uh, this morning... Uh, the theme i'm going to be working on with the kingdom excuse me with the kingdom of god is going back right to the beginning so what we're going to focus on today is genesis chapter 1 and if we if we read the start from the first verse and i need to take the glasses off to read not like some my age you have to put glasses on to read <laughs> in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is a fantastic opening sentence for the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. and It's already starting to unpack so much for us. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. I don't know whether you've ever had a conversation with with, uh, people who aren't yet Christians and, and you're talking about how God created the heavens and the earth and they say, well... If God created the heavens and the earth, who created God? You ever had that question thrown at you? And they're asking the question because they don't really understand just how big God is. And you see, I I think that a lot of people, even some Christians, have this concept that God is a little bit like, say, Thor in the Marvel movies, where he's some being of, of this sort of size, he's just got superpowers. And, he, and he's in some place up there in the cosmos that he sits and he lives, and that is not the God that we serve, friends. Yeah. I'm gonna, I want to use a metaphor uh, to, to ha- how I sort of understand just how big God is, and the metaphor is really full of lots of holes. So don't come at, uh, back to me after the service and say, well, there's this problem with what you're saying, this problem with what you're saying. It's good for one point. Okay, so what I want you to do is imagine that the whole auditorium is God. Okay, So it's flawed right there. <laughs> but let's imagine that the whole auditorium is God and every little part of it is full of power and it's full of potential and it's full of possibilities and it's full of things that God, God can just do and be. The whole auditorium is God. this glass represents creation. All time and all space, eternity and the full universe would be in this glass, God. The very first verse of the Bible is telling us in the beginning, God He is bigger than greater than anything else that exists. He extends far beyond the universe. He is outside of time. He is outside of space. He is sovereign. The very first sentences in the Bible are telling us that we have a sovereign king of his kingdom. And do you think that a God that big finds anything impossible? Creating a universe is easy for a God that big. And yet he wears the universe, he wears his creation like a diamond on his finger. His focus is on the center of that creation, which is Jesus. Is verse 1 good? It's starting to tell us about the kingdom. Then we go into verse 2. And this is really... Going to be the key verse from my talk this morning. In verse 2, says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface, surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now there's in this verse here, there are four core values of the kingdom that we start to identify, and, and the rest of the chapter actually starts unlocking those values for us. But I just need to do a little aside some people use verse 2 to justify what they call a gap theory that, uh, and normally they do this because they like the long earth life, you know, millions and billions of years old and they try to justify that with verse 2 which in the King James says that the earth was in chaos and they're saying that there was an initial creation and then some catastrophic event happened and they normally say that's uh, when the devil was cast out of out of heaven down to earth which is depicted in the prophetic books and Jesus also alluded to that when the 72 came back. And So they say that the the first creation then went into chaos and then God had to restart the creation again. There's a real problem with that and it comes to the gospel. The theory of that being a gap drives a bulldozer right through the heart of the gospel because the gospel says that sin death and destruction came in because of Adam's choice. And if you put a get theory in, it means that there was death and destruction before Adam's sin, and so then why did Jesus die for Adam's sin? If you want to know more, Mike runs a great course called Creation Evolution in the Bible. It's on tomorrow night, second one, and I'm sure he would let you join if you wanted to. Okay. So what, what does this verse actually mean then? So a better analogy, and again, don't shoot me for all the flaws with the analogy. But a better analogy for me is that what, imagine that you've got a master potter sitting at his wheel, and he takes a lump of clay and he sits it on the wheel. If you're there standing and observing... You know, verse two says that there there was darkness, there is emptiness, there's formlessness. And if you're standing there observing, you see this lump of clay on the wheel. What it could possibly be, what it's going to become, is dark to you. You do not perceive that. That's in the heart of the potter. And it's formless. It's misshapen. It doesn't. It's, it's not what it's going to end up being. And it's also. Uh, um, lacks function or life or energy. It's empty. But then as the potter starts to work, the master potter starts to work, starts to take shape, it starts to get ready for function, it gets fired, it gets used, it gets life around it. And so verse verse 2 is, God has started creation, but it is nowhere near yet where it's going to be. It hasn't taken shape. And so then we come into the... uh, So uh, we're going to be looking at, I said, about four core values. So we're going to be talking about formlessness, and we're going to be talking about darkness, and we're going to be talking about emptiness, but we're also going to be talking about the fourth core value, which is that the Holy Spirit was hovering, waiting to act. And wherever you come across situations which are dark, in chaos, and empty, the Holy Spirit is hovering waiting to act. So let's see what God deal how, how God deals with uh, these things in the, in the rest of the chapter so and it's broken up into days and so the first day God said and God said, let there be light you know God spoke there is power and declaration when we actually start lining our our beliefs up with God's beliefs, and we start speaking things out, just as God did when He said, "Let there be light." And he, then, then we can actually start speaking God's truth out, seeing things shift and change. And and God dealt with darkness by speaking out authority over it and empowering the Holy Spirit to act and bring light. And darkness is a place where you can't see. You lack sight. You lack percep- perception. You lack understanding. And when God speaks, he brings light, he brings revelation, he brings actually being able to see. And this was day one. God overcame darkness with light, but he did even more. So God conquered darkness, but he actually started also conquering formlessness because there's morning and there's night the first day. God started putting form or order around time. God started conquering formlessness and putting order in place. And then in day two, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. So now God is putting form around space. He's already done it around time. He's made night and day you get that? Now he's, he's putting form around space. He's separating the waters. He's making land and, and sky. So he's actually putting boundaries around space, saying this is where you're supposed to be. So it's now starting to take shape and God is conquering for, the formlessness of space. Then day three. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit, with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God's continuing to conquer um, formlessness. Now, just we we learned in the first verse we have a sovereign God. We also learned that we've got a creator God who made heaven and earth. Now we're learning that we've got a conquering God. Conquers darkness with light, and He's bringing order. He's bringing order to time. He's bringing order to space. He's continuing to do that now, and he's actually bringing order to function. He's putting function in the land and saying, this is how you are to function. And God brings order. The next three days are really interesting because God hasn't done anything about the emptiness yet. But um, the verses will come up here that you can see. And... In day four, there's a connection between day four and day one. What did God do in day one? He conquered, he conquered darkness and brought light. Day four, God fills light. He puts in the sun, moon, and stars. It's no longer empty. Didn't he, I'm not sure where the light came from beforehand, but now God is filling light, and he's putting a sun, moon, and stars. It's no longer empty. Day three, uh, day five, sorry, connects to day two. What did God conquer in day two? Space. He put borders in. And what does God do in day five? He fills the sky with birds, and he fills the sea with fish, or or other mammal-type things that swim. So God is filling with life. Day six connects with day f- uh, three, where God is continuing to conquer space and function. And he starts creating creatures of their kind, each having a purpose, having a plan for what they're there for. And his ultimate pinnacle of his creation is man was purpose, plan, Function And God is filling with life, the emptiness. So we have a sovereign God who is greater than anything that we can ever perceive. We have a creator God who creates everything that we know. And we have a conquering God as part of his kingdom, a conquering king who actually overcomes darkness, overcomes formlessness and overcomes emptiness. I'd better jump to where I am in my notes. Is that good so far? So God turns darkness to light he brings order to chaos and he brings life to dead places. And then he also gives man a role in his kingdom. And we see this towards the end of the, end of the chapter. He, it's like God has passed the baton of his continuing to establish his kingdom on this planet to man. To increase life, to bring order, The creator, the creator king, made us creative beings. Then in chapter 2, he actually placed uh, Adam and Eve in a garden called Eden, where all of us will be familiar with that. And and it's like God's saying, this is an example of what my kingdom could be like. You guys can come here, you can dwell with me, you can get to know me, and, and just see what my kingdom is like. But then I want you to extend it. I want you to multiply. I want you to flourish. I want you to extend out because this garden is only this big. But the planet is so much bigger. There's so much more opportunity for you out there to go and uh, work with me and partner with me in extending what's here in the Garden of Eden and see life flourish. That is God's kingdom. Life flourishes. And that's the... The uh, role that man has been given in God's kingdom is to continue to see darkness being overcome, to continue seeing formlessness and chaos be turned into order and continuing to see death and emptiness replaced with life as the Holy Spirit is hovering and waiting to act in us and through us. I think I have a sip of creation. You know, and th- these core values we see right throughout the Bible. We see it happening over and over again. One, one story that I've chosen us to look at is Ezekiel chapter 37. And the prophet Ezekiel was uh, in exile along with the rest of the nation of Israel and it was relatively early on in the exile peace. and they were wondering, what is our future? What is going to happen now, they were in darkness. Uh, some of the prophets realised, well, actually, we need to be here for uh, 80 years because that's how many of the um, uh, years of jubilee we, we didn't observe, and they, there's a, a possible connection there. But for most of them, they thought, we don't know what the future is going to look like. We're in darkness. And so then God shines light into Ezekiel's the prophet's a path and reveals this to him. So, starting from 37, it says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He art- Actually, I don't think these were nice, neatly arrayed skeletons. You get this image that there are bones all mixed up all over the place, jumbled up all on top of each other. It was a mess. And they're full of bones and, and they were very dry. And, the, and God asked Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And sometimes we can be looking at situations or circumstances or people and we think, "Ah, oh, there's just no hope. And God might be asking you, can these bones live? And Ezekiel responded with one of the all time safest responses to God. <laughs> uh, he said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. <laughs> so then God said to him, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. God brought light into the situation at the very start for Ezekiel he brought revelation to him, he's bringing revelation to him and he's continuing to bring revelation to him, light overcoming the darkness of his thought and pattern and now he's bringing order the bones were all in disarray a mess and God is bringing order and he's bringing sinew and he's bringing muscle and he's bringing skin back onto it and then and then Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The Holy Spirit hovers over situations of darkness and formlessness and emptiness, waiting to act, and when when the command of God comes, the Holy Spirit acts, and light shines, and order comes, and life comes. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of life. It's good, isn't it? There's some dry bones here this morning. And then, of course, we said in the life of Jesus... You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. The one who brings revelation, the one that overcomes darkness completely. Jesus is the light of the world. And then everything that Jesus did while he was on the planet brought order. It overcame chaos. It overcame the chaos of sickness. It overcame the chaos of people's thinking and their beliefs. He taught how people should live in God's kingdom. And then, of course, he went to the cross and rose again, releasing life on mankind forever after that for everyone who believes in him. Light, order, life. Right through the Bible. Jesus did tell us, though, that while he's here, that there are actually two kingdoms. He actually did a comparison between the both of them in John 10.10. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, it, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, God's kingdom brings light. The devil's kingdom steals light, leaving darkness. The devil's kingdom destroys. God's kingdom brings order. The devil's kingdom brings death. God's kingdom brings life. And you can only be a citizen of one kingdom or the other. You can only be a citizen of the kingdom of God or, you can, or you're a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. But you get to choose You get to choose. If you're someone here this morning that hasn't decided yet to be in God's kingdom, you can choose to do that. You can choose to accept Jesus as the leader, forgiver, and saviour of your life and submit to God and his kingdom. Let him come back in charge and experience the light that he releases. Experience him turning chaos around your life into order and experience life where you're experiencing death right through into eternity. You get to choose. And our challenge when, when we are believers is, is to continue overcoming darkness, destruction and death in all that we do as we work out and serve out in God's kingdom. The band can start coming up please. Now, there, is, there are things in your life as there are things in my life that need to be submitted to God's kingdom. There are aspects around inside us where darkness still exists. We need the light and revelation of Jesus to come and actually speak into us and bring release. Set us free from things. And, and as he does that, he's able to bring order around some of the chaos that we have going on either internally or in the way that we behave. And we can see, see God overcome anger. We can see him overcome bitterness. We can see him overcome fear. We can see him overcome shame. We can see him over, overcome broken relationships. We can see him release life around these things then release life around these things. And then the Bible paints this picture of a river of life that flows in us doing these things and then flows through us out into the world around us. And we can actually start seeing the same thing happen around the world around us where we're going in and we're, we're releasing light and we're bringing order out of chaos and we're releasing life. You know, Anna set up Acts um, where we're able to actually contribute money to see kids be better off. And she works for Hagar uh, because she's passionate about um, seeing trafficking stop and making a difference in that. And Mike Collins sent us a uh, YouTube link about um, uh, a crowd that is working in the world, bringing fresh, clean water to people, making a difference in the world. And you're know, in the community around us. There are people that are going through marriage breakups, the people who are uh, in lots of different broken relationships lacking hope needing Jesus to come in and shine light to actually deal with the chaos and release life around them and God commissions us to do that and God has placed a call on every one of you just as he placed a call on Adam and Eve in the garden every one of us has a call on our lives to actually step up step out And do what he's called us to do to see God's kingdom grow around us. Jesus turns mourning to dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. Jesus turns shame into glory. He is the only one who can. He turns graves into gardens. Jesus turns dry bones into armies, and sees and sees into highways. He's the only one who can. Are there some dry bones who are living here this morning? Are there people here who who say, yes, I am part of the army of God? Are there people here this morning who want to make a difference and see God's kingdom grow? Can we stand? Wherever there's darkness, wherever there's chaos, wherever there's emptiness and death, the Holy Spirit is hovering waiting to act, waiting for permission to do something. And he is here this morning, waiting to act, waiting to work in you and waiting to work through you. Let's start singing together. I search the world